Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to episode 34. Just to catch you up on this theme song curse before I play the theme song, it was written about eight months ago with a David Bowie sample and a nod to the It's Gary Shandling show. And now both of those people are dead. What they had in common when I put it together, I don't know. It just kind of happened quickly. But uh, I've asked listeners to email in if I should keep it as an homage or redo it with new people and see if they die. And uh, we've got some interesting responses. One from a guy named Jim that says that I should do an acapella one with all me. So I die several times. Thanks, Jim. Probably spell that G-Y-M. Because you're probably as bright as my middle school gym teacher, Mr. Farrell. Mr. Farrell used to make us play dodgeball with basketballs. Whoever got hit in the face got a red man's rule, which means you are out. No three outs, just one hit in the face and your face turned red. That's it. So guess what? Everyone started aiming for everyone's face. Yes, that's what it's like growing up a boy in the public schools of the United States. It's rough. Lord of the Flies, jungle rough. All right, here's that theme song. G, 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 take me away. G, 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 take me today. See, that was harmless, right? I didn't expect anybody to die, let alone two great artists. I don't want to die. Anyway. All right, this is episode 34 with a good friend of mine, one of my favorite visual artists, Martin Deegan. This is a fun conversation and an informative conversation, and it's also one of the drinking episodes. So hopefully... Loose Tongues Prevailed. Check out Martin's art. Links in the show notes. Really cool stuff. See you next week. Got some good wine here. That's good, good stuff, Gear. This will be the second drinking episode. The second drinking episode. Well, yes. I'm glad to be a part of it. I'm glad I'm not really setting the precedent here. Well, I think our voices are in the same key. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we yeah. Can... yeah. See that? See that? Yeah. And there we go. Uh-oh, people can't tell. I'm going to have to pitch shift you down. <laughs> can tell who the, who the different person is? My daughter can't tell the difference either. She's always asking, who's, who's Gary? <laughs> <laughs>
Really? Always. She thinks I'm you when you listen? No, she can't tell the difference between the guests. And I'm like, are you kidding me? One guy's got an English accent and one guy is, you know, Gary. (laughs) So you have a daughter now. We're going to get to that. Okay. All right. And we're going to get to your visual art. Great. Because that's why you're here. Yeah. But uh, I'm going to try to do this because, you know, obviously we know each other well. You know that. But the listeners don't know that. So I'm telling them that we know each other pretty well. But uh, I'm going to get some good stuff out of you anyway. Uh-oh. All right? Oh, no. <laughs> so when I met you, you, were, you live in Colorado now, but when I met you, you were living in Brooklyn. And it was shocking the first night I met you. I went to your house for your birthday party or your ex's birthday party. It was my, uh, what was that? I think it was my birthday party. Yep. Okay. My- and there was all kinds of debauchery going on. And I woke up on the couch. And the first thing I heard when I woke up was, Oh, I'm a dominatrix. <laughs> I woke up to a dominatrix, and uh, I was just a little 22-year-old. Yeah, I remember. You know, and that was uh, my first introduction to a dominatrix. And you were dating one of the more wild people that I've known. Yeah, that was actually a pretty timid night, if I remember correctly. That was a timid night. <laughs> yeah, <Nice>. definitely. <laughs> so uh, you're on your second marriage. That's correct. Hopefully your final one. And this girl Definitely. that you were, <laughs> this girl that you were with at that time, mm-hmm. she messed you up. Would you say she messed you up, or she taught you a lot? Because oh, you guys I were think, like, I don't know. I would say that don't all women mess us up. Um, I think. Uh, she definitely uh, educated me on a lot of stuff about myself, and. Um, was uh it was tough yeah it was really tough what was what was tough about it? i mean she's a fiery she was a fiery girl yeah yeah i mean fiery is um putting it kind of mildly uh because when people i think when people think of fiery they think of like uh you know um you know outward you know out- outgoing and things like that she was just you know, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you call it crazy. I mean, just what, just that one night, which is the first night we met, I was trying to sleep on the couch and she walked out, like she yelled something and she walked out of your bedroom and, uh, she was wearing a robe, but it was not closed. And then Pretty she, standard. <laughs> she, uh, she pulled her robe off and basically put on a little show and then walked back into your bedroom. Right. Well, I mean, she was a dancer. You know, she was a, she was a stripper at the time. So I think that that was... Um, was I supposed to put a dollar somewhere or leave it on the table? I didn't do that. I mean, you know, there's... I think that for things like that, she's definitely... Uh, I, I think that especially with um, relationships like that and women like that, mm-hmm. uh, whether, well, people like that, uh, they... That's how they engage. That's how engage, they like wanting attention. Just engage in general. You know, I think that that's a so shock. I think it goes beyond shock. I think it goes to a place of where they. That's how they are relating to uh, men mostly because mm-hmm. that's what they do all day and wherever it's coming from, whether it's you know. <sighs> daddy issues or whatever's going uh-huh. on for them you know that's how they're processing and dealing with that stuff you know so I, I mean i used to remember watching this person you know go in and buy a pack of cigarettes and it was like 
she was working the, the, the Indian guy behind the counter, you know, like... It's like just, flirting with him? Beyond flirting, like working it. Yeah. You know, like that was just her, you know, M.O. Well, that's kind of the muscle that develops as a stripper. It's uh, the art of manipulation. You're Absolutely. Just, you're manipulating guys out of their money. Well, I think that one of the things that's funny about that is is that at first, mm -hmm. uh, I think, uh, you know, and this is pretty common, um, at least from my perspective, I think that most most women that start out feel that uh, they're empowered at first, you know, uh, where they're like, oh, you know, yeah, great, you know, I'll, you know, take my clothes off, you can't touch me, you can't come near me. You know, you give me money, and yeah, sure, I'll take your money. And I can see how that would be empowering. Yeah, and it empowers them for a little. But then somewhere along the line, I think something switches, mm -hmm. and it starts to become the other way around. And then the guys or whatever, the patron, it be, starts to be like, yeah, you, you know, you're damn right, you'll take my money. That's what you're here to do. Yeah. You know, so. So it, when, when does that change, where they f go from empowered to addicted to something <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't really call it an addiction i would think it it, it just becomes you know like a like a, a job that you hate you know like any other job you know like you, you you go to a job that originally you start liking you have uh idealistic visions of the way it's going to be and then after you know it starts to come into focus in reality it starts to really um all the you know crap behind it starts to rise to the surface so but a lot of strippers end up addicted to something yeah yeah i, I mean i can't tell if that's the uh you know the type of person that it breeds or if it's if it's the chicken or the egg the chicken or the egg i don't know uh -huh. you know i don't i can't tell but uh I, I, I think but that, that chicken was cracking a lot of eggs right oh man that were you were you cracking eggs with her i mean you guys were like Sid and Nancy. Well, I, you know, she had an obsession with Sid and Nancy, which actually is, you know, really, you know, so cliche looking back at it all. You know, I mean, how many people have that cliche, that specific cliche going on? Right. You, you but when know. you're in your early 20s, yeah, it's, it's, rom it's romantic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You know, it has this, you know, starry eyed type of feel to it. And, you know, there's no, um, repercussion or recourse to anything and you're just like yeah we're gonna crash and burn you know and the right. world is you know ours for the taking you've got some it sounds like you've got some perspective on it now but at the time you didn't really i mean you didn't seem happy to me at the time that's for sure no you know <laughs> that's funny that you know because i was miserable you were flustered and I, overwhelmed um my roommate at the time, my roommate at the time, at, you know, was with me for the good majority of it. Mm -hmm. And after it was all done and, you know, I was, I was on and moved on and, he, you know, he, um, he, he made this statement. He said, uh, what's, what's, what's different about Martin now? You know, oh, oh, he doesn't have his head in his hands in misery. And that's <laughs> after you moved on from that. Yeah, after I was done. Yeah. And, you know, it's a fairly simple thing, but it was poignant because you know it seemed like was i really that noticeably miserable because i always felt like i was you know people were envious of my you know look at this life i'm living it's so you know cutting edge so rock and roll rock and roll and, yeah. And, and, yeah and and people were probably just like me <laughs> sucks to be you pal <laughs> <laughs> but at the time you were you were in it you were in, you thought you were enjoying it 
Oh yeah. What yeah. what happened? Was there one incident that happened? What made you get want to get out of it? Oh man, it wasn't one thing. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? But like, put yourself back when you're in it, because a lot of people are in relationships and they don't really. You sometimes you don't know if you're happy or unhappy while you're in something, right? I think that um, you know, I, I I saw the ship was going down, and I wanted to you know jump on a lifeboat, mm-hmm. pretty much, you know. The ship being your relationship? Or? The whole thing, you yeah. know. Everything was going down. You know, this was not headed down a nice road, a good road at all. And, and I mean, now I would have, you know, way more perspective to understand something like that. But, you know, back then, all the, you know, idealism and the glamour and all that stuff, you know, faded away very quickly. Mm-hmm. And then once that was done, it, it left nothing but, you know, this is going to end horribly, you know, for anybody involved, you know? So I was like, I got to get the heck out of here. Do you think it would be possible? Cause I mean, you guys were living a pretty debaucherous life. Do you think it'd be possible to live that debaucherous life and do it in a healthy way mentally? Of course. Well, not for me, but, not, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Uh, and uh, you know, I mean, again, you know, that's a long time ago. I was, man, I was so different. Yeah. Um, it's still kind of the same person, but I think that people can live, uh, I don't want to say debaucherous, but indulgent lives, um, mm-hmm. and still maintain, uh, perspective and health. Did and you have perspective at the time? Absolutely not. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't even about perspective. It was about instant gratification and rationalization and all of this stuff, you know. Would you say you lost yourself in that relationship? Oh, yeah. Like you, you didn't, weren't even thinking about you? I was thinking a lot probably about what I wanted to appear like. To others? To myself and to others. Uh Yeah, a lot of that. A lot of like, you know, how cool does this look? How cool does it feel? You know, what kind of stories am I, you know, taking under my belt so I can throw them out on the poker table, you know, or whatever. And, 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 you know, one up everybody in their, their life. And, you know, as we were discussing earlier, Uh most people don't really care. Uh So as I started to learn that, you know, I just was like, okay, this is stupid. So what would you say you took from that relationship and brought it to your next one? Because your next relationship that I knew of was pretty different, much more wholesome. Not that I mean, it there, wasn't wild, but... No, well, no, it was... I mean, there was a lot of stuff... Um, <laughs> I mean, I didn't take anything from that relationship other than, like, what not to do. Right. Well, that's... A, that's Sometimes yeah. that's learning, too. Yeah, right? that's definitely learning. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't... I didn't really... I didn't really want to I wasn't interested in any of that were you guys were you polyamorous is that how you would describe yourselves um no you aren't no no I would say you know I, I would just say we both had our own uh idea of what we wanted we were both super selfish mm-hmm. and um even when it came to each other? Even when it came to each other. It was okay. all about, like, you know, who could top the other one. And, you know, finding a um, a sparring partner that was 
able to keep up so that you could, you know, one up the next move and yeah. who, who's going to flinch first. And I learned very quickly, very early that there was no way I was going to win that because, you know, this person was ready <laughs> to, you know, die. Right. You know, and, and I wasn't. So, yeah. So you learned what not to do and what. Yeah. I learned a lot of things. I think, I think that every relationship, yeah. um, if you're conscious enough and you're, uh, concerned and really want to uh, better yourself or grow or whatever. I, I think that every relationship is a stepping stone of learning to get to the next one so that the next one prior to it is um, better. I mean, you know, it's, it's just, you know, that's how we grow, you know, and, and it, better being more functional I mean, because it sounds to me like you have a big part in that as well, because you lost yourself in it. Mm -hmm. You might have been able to change it or swerve or even get out of it sooner. Oh, yeah. I could have probably left anytime I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's pretty common. People are in relationships mm -hmm. and then they lose themselves. And it's hard to have sight, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. You know, you don't want to... Um, I, I mean, again, you know, if you just, you think you're, a lot of it is about you know, rationalization, denial, all these things that you're just, you know, you think you're something that you're not, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think especially at that age, you know, early twenties, you know, you, you, you still are coming out of that youthful caring what other people think, right? you know, wanting to make sure that people are, you know, noticing you, wanting yeah. to, you know, put yourself on the map, well, so to speak. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting that you would, put your mind in a place where you're thinking about what others perceive you as while in the meantime you're like oh i was miserable miserable yeah i wonder if people are like fashion over function <laughs> exactly yeah i wonder if a lot of uh you know celebrities that date models or whatever if that's what they're thinking yeah i don't think it has uh i think it's not just with celebrities i think it's you know sure guys go trophy wives um I mean, how many people are working out the damage that was done in high school on their current relationship? You know, I mean, that's all that stuff when you're a kid and you're trying to figure everything out. You're probably just figuring it out too late in life so that it's trying to prove to the high school bullies. Yeah, that that's it. You know, how many guys dream of like, you know, grabbing some, uh, you know amazingly gorgeous woman going back to their reunion and saying ha you know like look check it out you know and do you think women think this way um i don't claim to know what women think at all mm -hmm. i've learned that much <laughs> you steered out of that question pretty smoothly <laughs> <laughs> i don't really think uh i you know i mean i have I can, a feeling they don't i can guess you know and i would think that uh i think that at the, the root, I think that women really kind of want the same thing that men want, you know, just as human beings. Which we is all, what? What do we want? <sighs> Shit. You know, normally, I would say we want to be happy, you know, um, yeah. but that's so ambiguous and so big. And well, a lot of it has to do with what you said. I mean, like being conscious in the moment. Right. And really kind of checking in with yourself and seeing if you're happy in the yeah. situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know that... Uh, I think women are definitely looking for different things. That's mm -hmm. for sure. And we're generalizing women. Which and is, we are generalizing yeah. women. Absolutely. You know, and, 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 and I, that's why it's a touchy subject. I'm still trying to steer this car away. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think that women, if I say anything wrong, I'm just going to say that wasn't my voice. That, that was, was yours. <laughs> <laughs> Claudia, that wasn't me. <laughs> 
Um, no, I, I don't. Uh, I don't think that. I don't think that women um, are that much different than we are. I really don't. You know, there is the basic differences. You know that about. You know that everyone everyone knows and everyone complains about or you know puts to the surface. But I think that in general, you know, we're all looking to you know find companionship and we're all looking to have somebody to inspire each other and mm -hmm. want to, you know, uh, help us get through life. Uh, like a partner. A partner. Yeah. yeah. But it's that's such a common thing in relationships is that people lose their identity. They lose themselves in it. Well, I think that losing yourself is kind of a bit of a, it, it has kind of a stigma to it, that, that phrase, you know, I don't think you really lose yourself. Mm -hmm. I think you can lose sight right. of who you want to be or who you were. Or, or even what's good for you. Or what's good for you. Yeah. yeah. I think that it's more about like, you know, we just change when you're, when you're sharing your life with somebody like that fully, mm -hmm. uh, day and night, uh, emotionally, physically, spiritually, you know, we you know you, you there's compromise all the time there's yeah there's give and take there's you know like love love and that changes us yeah and but that's that's the hard thing because love they it's in the bible it's in plato it's in hedwig you know <laughs> <laughs> love is uh first of all love is hard to define but you know they yeah. say when two people join they merge as one mm -hmm. you know and that's like the divine connection that when two becomes one right and now, obviously a metaphor. <laughs> it's a metaphor, but it's also, there is truth to it. Yeah, absolutely. But it's I mean, dangerous, too. Well, I, I, it depends on what you consider dangerous. You know, I mean, uh, you know, it's, hey, it's dangerous to cross the street, you know. I prefer that Khalil, you know, the Khalil Gibran uh, poem, like, where two trees growing in the woods together side right. by side and you just have to make sure not to block the sun from the other person yeah growth. so that one they can both grow at the same yeah absolutely yeah. i mean but yeah, I which is really practice. hard which is really hard because each person strives for the sunlight mm -hmm. instinctively right you know and to to take a minute to you know step aside and say oh wait this person needs sun too is it's an act of selflessness, but it's also an act of survival because you're trying to keep this unit together, you know? And then when you start getting into things like children and family and future, then, you know, there's a lot more at stake, a lot more leaves on the tree. Having, cause you have a child now, mm -hmm. now having children, two. two children, having children, I'm sure, I don't have any children, but it, I'm sure it changes the game completely. Ch changes your mind, changes your whole mindset. Yeah, it really does. Uh, a lot of people say that it makes them all of a sudden not living for themselves, not selfish. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, 100%. Mm -hmm. In a way, too, that you, you, you... I was just having this conversation with somebody uh, last night where uh, you think you're ready you know, and there are so many things about having children that you think you're ready for, you think you're going to do, you know, you say, oh, well, when I'm a parent, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do all these things. And then when you actually come to it, 
all you're really trying to do is drive the bus and not run it off the road. Right. You know, and... Is that because it's 24-7 and they're grinding your patients down? No. <laughs> I mean, that's in there too. Uh, but I, I don't think think that that's the majority of it all. I think that uh, I think the majority of it is the fact that uh, a lot of uh, paternal instincts just kick right in and you're, you're being guided by something a lot larger that you, you don't even really understand, mm -hmm. uh, that is telling you what to do and what not to do. And, and, um, that act of selflessness is not as conscious as you'd think it is. It's not like, you know, I wake up in the morning and say, Oh, well, I'm not going to think of myself today. I'm going to think of my children. It's just pretty instinctive. That, so it's a larger thing that's kind of guiding you. It's taking your oh, yeah. focus away from yourself. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tricky balancing act because you have to take care of yourself in order to help other people, right. whether it's your partner or your children or anything like that. But you, you also have to, you have to continually move forward with, uh, it, it's not like I can quit my job and leave. You know, I mean, plenty of people do do that. I know, but you know, for me, mm -hmm. it's not an option. You know, it's not like oh, I'm going to just take off. I'm, I don't like this anymore. I'm going to leave this job. You know, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> Put him in foster care. This is, call it. You know, this is way too. This is way too selfless for me. I don't like it. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think it's like. You know, uh, I think I'm losing myself in this parenthood I'm, I'm, thing. I'm really losing myself in this parenthood <laughs> thing. I don't think this is working for me. Um, and I know that that does happen, but I don't think that that's something that uh, uh, is... I think people panic a lot. Being a parent? Yeah. Uh -huh. I think panicking is pretty natural sure. as a parent because uh, one of the things that I, I definitely wasn't ready for uh, was um, I was ready for all the, you know, you know, the late nights and, you know, diaper changes and, you know, crying. I was ready for all that because yeah. I prepared myself. But I wasn't ready for the wor the worrying, the way I was going to feel. I was not prepared for that at all. Like the idea of, oh my God, I'm like responsible for another human being to the finite degree. Right. You know, it is so big. Yeah, human babies are one of the few animals where... If you just put them down, they'll just die. Yeah. You know, most other animals, they'll, yeah, they'll go into the woods and figure, they'll it figure it out. <laughs> We're not that bright. No. We're like one of the dumbest of all the <laughs> animals. That goddamn abstract reasoning, man. <laughs> <laughs> but that thing you said about uh, it's like a greater thing that you're following. Yeah. Like something outside of yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. When you said that, it reminded me of art. You know, like right. either when you're thinking of a song or a song comes to you. Or in, right. your, in your case, visual art. Well, you know, I remember, you know, I was listening to one of your other podcasts, you know, and uh, I think it was the last one where you guys were talking about the the muse mm -hmm. and the muse being that that bigger thing, right? The uh, the big abstract, you know, voice in the sky or whatever. It and is. how it's separate from you, it's separate from you, and, and you're kind it's of guiding your, you, it's guiding you, it's, yeah. it's guiding you, pulling you, and directing you, and all these things. Um. It's a lot like that with children. Uh, it's a little more innate, I think, a little bit more primal and a little bit more kind of, you know, some things that, you know, this idea how people say, oh, you know, I jump in front of a bus for my kids or I take a bullet or whatever. Yeah. It's really true. Like, it, it's not just a cliche or something people say. Like, you, it, it is completely instinctive. Like, 
I, there might even be a moment while the bus is getting ready to just splatter you. You're like, that was really dumb. <laughs> but you know, like <laughs> I just made my child fatherless. <laughs> fatherless is stupid. Maybe I should have tried to push him out of the way. Um, but no, I, I just think that that's way more innate. And I think that uh, uh, the muse and that 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 bigger guiding force for yourself mm-hmm. is something that we have to consciously tap into a little bit more uh it's a little bit more difficult to tap into with children no with uh artistic with artistic uh, endeavors yeah absolutely i think it's a little bit more um it, it, it's not as clear-cut mm-hmm. you know it kind of comes to you in an abstract form it's where, more ethereal yeah way more ethereal yeah because it's weird i mean you say tapping into it which i get and I also feel like it's a tapping out of. It's like making yourself available, but then making yourself unconscious. Yeah. Well, letting it, like releasing to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like making giving, giving over to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And But you, you, you have to be open to it first. You have to open yourself up to receiving it. And then once you've received it, then you have to say, okay, guide me or whatever. Right. You know, there's some trust involved. It's, it's all faith based. Yeah. I think it's almost, you know, 75 to 80% faith based, you know. And, and do you think that's why some people are better artists than others? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, because I, you know, art is so subjective, you know, and some people, you know, think they're good artists and some people, you know, aren't good artists mm-hmm. sometimes people are good artists but don't make good art right right you know just because they're not making good art doesn't mean they're not a good artist so it's very complicated same thing with a parent just somebody could have the best intentions in the world and they're just not a very good parent you know um, right so it's very similar in that sense but uh uh a lot of that might be knowledge they have to read Bill Cosby's fatherhood book. Yeah, gotta, gotta make sure we get that one. <laughs> make sure we make sure we have Bill Cosby's, you know, uh, first law of, of physics in there and <laughs> parenting. Well, it's interesting. I when I I did uh, I caught up a Bob Dylan interview for a past podcast episode for the opening bit, and listening to that interview, he talks about his work as when he was very young. You know, all that prolific, all those prolific, prolific songs he created. Yeah, yeah. And amazing. That stuff is amazing. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's amazing. It's otherworldly. Yeah. And the uh, interviewer asked him if he could ever re- repeat that, and Bob Dylan was like, "Definitely not." He's like, yeah. "I wasn't even present for it. Something was floating through me." Yeah, so raw. So, and he's like, "I don't know how it happened. I wasn't even there for yeah. it." And it's a shame. I mean, it's cool that he keeps going. He's a musician and an artist, but <clears throat> you know, uh, when I look at my older work, mm-hmm. like from early college or your visual art my visual art yeah my visual art or or even stuff from you know even high school it's so free and so uninhibited with the boundaries of education that it, it, you know you just want to tap into that you know like i, I mean my parents have all of my art from that time period is this when you went to school for art yeah i went to school of visual arts sva mm-hmm. okay see i know my acronyms see that? <laughs> <laughs> that's what i studied in college acronyms acronyms there's a reason you're on that side so sva uh so it was visual art mm-hmm. well i first tried to well you used an interesting thing you said i was free and i respected the boundaries well 
you know the you know I didn't have a lot of boundaries I didn't have a lot of boundaries in art at that at that point because both of my parents were not artists they they appreciated art mm -hmm. um my dad didn't really um know a lot about it my mom knew way more than he did but he was you know into it and my mom was pretty you know uh, cultured uh, uh, and, and and experienced with art yeah um, i mean visual art is so subjective it's very subjective you know i mean my dad would like you know like things that were that you know i'd say probably 80 to 90 percent of the basic population would like you know uh -huh. and my mom would kind of stretch the boundaries a little bit you know uh you know my dad probably wouldn't really understand jackson pollock or rothko or anything like that uh -huh. or my mom would um yeah. but art wasn't a part of my upbringing it's not like i was raised by artists or anything like that you it know? wasn't a creative household it was a supportive household yeah and it was also a artistically accepting household like my mom loved art my dad liked it too they both they really valued art of did all you, kinds were you more did you always have a visual talent were you drawing and yeah. stuff as a kid <laughs> yeah you know it's funny because my son now uh and he's three he just he just drew all over <laughs> i came home and there was you know some Jackson Jackson Pollock painting all over the couch and the, oh, no. and all over the you know all over himself and everything. What's his medium when he draws on the couch? <laughs> Oil. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, uh, and uh, you know, I, 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 your first reaction is no, no, stop, stop, stop. Um, a part of you is kind of like, oh, look at this nice piece of art you created, you know. But um, <laughs> please stop, please. But um, my. Uh, I, I instantly got flashback to when I was a, a kid about his age and um, I was drawing all over myself, you know, mm -hmm. and all over things. And then I'd say probably about maybe two years later when I was about five, I, my parents just bought this amazing leather couch, you know, brand new. And, mm. you know, I, you know, not thinking, looked at it as like an amazing new canvas. Right. <laughs> Ooh, leather canvas. Leather <laughs> canvas. This is amazing. And when they came home, I had drawn spaceships and tanks and all these things all over it, you oh, know. No. And my dad flipped out, uh -huh. you know, and all I could do was you know, try and explain it to him. Like, yeah, but look at, look at, look at the, the bombs are bombing the tank, you know, yeah. trying to explain. <laughs> You're drawing a military scene on in there, yeah. a new leather couch. Yeah, <laughs> a new leather couch. And, 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 and I'm not even understanding that it was a, uh, you know, uh, um, the couch, that was what they were said about. I thought they were upset about the imagery. <laughs> oh, uh -huh, right. But, um, so, but they were supportive. They were really cool like that. They were really, really understanding. They didn't discipline you for drawing on the couch? No. <laughs> no, they didn't. No, They're like, it's no. beautiful. It, well, no, it wasn't like that. I got in a little <laughs> bit of trouble, but I wouldn't say big trouble. You know, and that kind of was the, that I, I, I don't want to say that set the tone, but that was pretty, you know, standard throughout my entire life all the way up till present mm -hmm. you know my dad always wanted me to <clears throat> that's such an only child thing right yeah <laughs> they have all their energy for you one 
capsule of complete focus you know yeah. and i mean i have two brothers who are like w- which one's gary which one, way? <laughs> which one do we yell at for? you know and then but it, it you know also kind of you know sucked too because i couldn't you know blame anything on anybody you yeah know? no one to commiserate with no no conspiring nothing yeah. it was completely me um but my dad always wanted me to be a I don't think he had, you know, like dreams of being, you know, like, oh, be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. I think he just wanted me to make money and support right. my family and, you know, do his job as a father, which was create a, a good provider. I uh, feel like a lot of parents, that's really what they want. They just want you to not be homeless. Right. And maybe be happy. But first, just not be homeless and I support that, yourself. Well, I think that the definitions of uh what that is has changed over the years and is generational i think for our parents i think it was more kind of like look get a steady job Mm -hmm. create some security do these things and now it's more kind of like do what makes you happy make sure that you're you know successful make sure that you're doing what you want right and, and these types of things it's the same core value of like look you have to be responsible and you have to be you know dedicated in what you do and you have to think of others primarily you know thinking about your family and thinking about your children are going to be the most important thing and the most you know prevalent thing in your life yeah I, i think i've said this before on the podcast but i i think that generations have changed where our parents generation is much more practical just get a good job make a decent living live a life and die right you know where we're, our generation's like you know you gotta like be happy you have to find something that you know dream we dream we dream we're dreamers they well, didn't you, dream you know our parents always kind of told us you can be whatever you want you know and by the time it got to us you know we're like you can't be anything at all you know like dude that's all a lie you know i mean really but i think we're the dreamers well we're the dreamers but our children what we're this is one of those things that I think when you think you're going to be a parent, uh-huh. you think you're going to give this to your kids. Right, and then right. when you're actually a parent, you're like, no, no, no. You know, I don't want you to go through what I went through. You know, don't be an artist. Don't be a musician. You right, know, right. I don't want you to suffer that pain that I, that I went through. Because um, you want them to just be able to support themselves and yeah, not struggle. I think it's more about the purity of being happy. You just want them to be happy. You just want your children to be happy. And and to my parents, my dad would always equate happiness with stability and finances and, mm-hmm. you know, support and being able to provide. Yeah. And my mom was a little bit more kind of on the end of like, you know, follow your bliss, even though that was my dad's mantra my whole life. Um, you know, I've heard from parents a lot that, once you become a parent, it's almost like, uh, you know, like when you go to shrink, sometimes they'll have you talk to the chair. It's a very common psychological. Oh my God. You talk to the chair and be like, that's your father. You're a kid and your that. father's in the chair and you're talking to your I father. <laughs> I got so mad at like, I went to a couples therapy one time and uh-huh. they, they, it was a pillow. Yeah. And they were going to do this. I was like, I'm not participating in this exercise because I think it's stupid. <laughs> what was, what, did, what was the it. pillow? The pillow was my spouse okay. at the time, you know. And she was there? No, the first time she wasn't. Okay. Yeah. That would be awkward. Yeah, talk to me. She's on your left. You know, <laughs> you're talking to this pillow there. on the right. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. You're blocking my creativity. 
but like a lot of parents they kind of revisit their childhood like like that example do you find that now that you're a father and you're raising a, a young child two young children that you're revisiting where you were as a three-year-old for example well it's hard for me to remember what i was doing as a three-year-old but um all i know are stories from my my parents mm -hmm. uh but uh I, I think how about that, the older one do you feel like are you re even though she's a yeah, girl yeah I, I definitely I, I mean it's really difficult because you're you have such a different perspective and mm -hmm. you've you've lived through it already and you know on the other side on the other side yeah. you know what that outcome is so you are kind of reliving it but you're reliving it in a way that is completely you know uh, I don't want to say jaded, but it, 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 it's already you're in the know, you know, like to have that innocence of a child, there's no way that you could actually like, you know, transcend into that type of headspace and like live like them or, you know, relive through them, you know, and have that second chance or whatever and i feel that's a mistake a lot of parents make they're like i want you to be a famous musician because i never was you know and, right and that's just you know you're ridiculous. not doing that you're not a stage dad <laughs> no <laughs> yeah. i've always said you know i don't really care what my kids are as long as they're doing what they want you know mm -hmm. and they're focused on it and driven and you know not homeless i don't know if they want to be homeless anymore. would you rather them be happy and homeless or just uh and it's not even a question I'd well rather, roofed I'd, I'd rather have happy and homeless any day of the really week, any day of the week that's what you'd want for your kids I, no, I, I mean i don't want my kids to be homeless but you know like if it was a choice right if 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 my child if there was if i had a definite choice of like well either he's or she's going to be homeless and miserable or happy and homeless and there was no variation in between the two right i would pick happy and homeless for sure well i feel like my mom has changed with the I times thought. my mom used to always say gotta get a job mm -hmm. you gotta work like even if you're miserable you gotta support yourself and right and then eventually through the years it kind of changed to well as long as you're happy right which i relate to much more because <laughs> i i can't I, you know, I mean, how, I don't know how much of that is a, you know, a, I don't want to say cop out, but how uh -huh. much of that is like, oh, well, whatever, as long as you're happy. <laughs> She's giving up on me having the, the, the big job. Hey, my dad always wanted me to have the big job. Yeah. That was what he always wanted. And my mom didn't really care. But, <clears throat> you know, my dad was so, is so in love with my mom mm -hmm. and trusts her so much that like he let go of he loves her so much that he let go of even his ideals to agree with her you know like you know when i decided to become an artist <clears throat> he wasn't stoked about it yeah um but he wasn't you know unhappy about it he just didn't know how i was going to make money he was like what are you going to do you know how are you going to make money at art you know and then when that kind of went on uh, and saw that I, you know, had a, a knack for it. Mm -hmm. He, you know, he, he supported it and was like, okay, well, maybe you can be an architect, you know, we're <laughs> looking make good for money. practical. Well, maybe you'll be a, uh, you know, a, maybe you'll be a graphic designer, you know? Right. And, and, and I actually went into my freshman year for graphic design because, because of him. Yeah. 
his influence, we'll say. Yeah. We won't put it all on him. No, <laughs> but I just felt that that was the smart move at the time, you right. know, because well, yeah. of him or because of just in general. You practical. Know, practical. Yeah. <clears throat> and then when I, um, then when I didn't, you know, then after my first year and I switched over to fine arts, it was like, how the heck are you going to make money in that? Right. You, you know, and... Well, visual art is such a roll of the dice. I'm so it, glad. It's just... That I didn't get involved. It's really... Although, you know, you don't have the competition that you have in graphic design, you know, I mean, at all. You know, I mean, the competition in graphic design is like, kind of like going to get a job at McDonald's for art, you uh -huh. know. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, y y you know, uh, and I just didn't have that... I didn't... I hated it. Hate it, even though that's what I do now. Yeah. Um. I and I and I really like it now, but uh, at the time I I I hated it. Right. Um, well, so different then. Yeah, and I felt like it was you know a compromise and selling out and mm -hmm. da, da, and all these things, all these idealistic visions, you know, that have now kind of come into you know perspective for me. Mm -hmm. But I I don't think that. Um, <clears throat> well, it's interesting. Like the life of an artist is. I mean, maybe it's like this for everyone, but I'll speak on what I know. It's so interesting because you never know where anything will take you. Right. You know, like you, you work in such a cool mixed medium. I find your artwork very intriguing and unique. But like Sweet. for me, as example, like you, you never know. And you ended up getting into graphic design. You also ended up getting into tattoos. Right. I mean, you're super totally. tatted up. <laughs> Yeah. And, and which goes back to what you said as a kid, you want, you were drawing on yourself. Yeah. I didn't even know how tatted I was until you said something the other night. Oh, you're fully covered except yeah. for everything below your neck is yeah. covered. Yeah. Covered, covered. I mean, you know, I, keep, but I just keep forgetting, you know, like I keep yeah. forgetting until somebody says something like, damn. Right. Bro, you're so covered. your interest in art went from your interest in art to drawing on yourself, to tattoos, to owning a tattoo shop yeah. in Breckenridge, Colorado. Fris yeah. Frisco, Colorado, or Breckenridge? Breckenridge. Breckenridge, Colorado. Mm -hmm. and I threw music in there for a little while. <laughs> and music, too. And yeah. you never know. Like, I got into music, then I got into audio engineering, and, you know, you just never know where all these different avenues take you. It's pretty cool. And it's all the arts. You mm -hmm. know, so it's all about your expression. And, in fact, I always played music very similar to the way that I painted. You know, mm -hmm. the, the process is almost identical. How so? Well, you know, you, you start with you start with a vision of something that you, you think you like, yeah. uh, something that, you, you know, with a, I guess you'd say a genre, mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, I want to play, you know, a rock and roll song, or I want to make something totally different or unique. And then, you know, you start with your first layer, and then you start with your next color, and then, you know, but um, with music, it's it was very similar. It was like, okay, I'm going to start with the guitar then i'm gonna it's like overdubbing in a visual sense absolutely it's the same thing and, and, and not only that but the actual expression was almost identical of how it made me feel and like where i would come to for inspiration and you know certain uh, epiphanies and things like that would almost you know apex at the same point of the the song or the the painting you know like you kind of get into it and then you get frustrated and then you hit a wall and you push through it and you take an accident and you turn it into something cool and then you, right it was very similar almost identical 
With vi- yeah, with visual art and music, you can do that. If something messes up and it doesn't sound right, you can add another note. Yeah, with and, another instrument, and, and it comes out. That's I think that's a lot about uh, confidence in in artistic uh, expression. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're confident enough to say like it doesn't matter what I do, it also gives you the ability to take risks. Right. Um, with uh, art or music, if you if you're taking uh, you're doing something that you're not very maybe even comfortable with or you don't know how to do and you're like I'm going to do it because I think it's going to be cool or I think it's going to work and it doesn't work Yeah. Um, the confidence that you can then work with it knowing that like okay I don't care if I screw it up because in the end I know I can make something good out of it right that, that, that gives you the because there's a lot of points uh, in music or I think, ha- I think that confidence is interesting because I think having that confidence kind of helps the inspiration come. Yeah, absolutely. It lets it flow. It lets it come mm-hmm. through you because there are plenty of points in uh, music or visual arts or any of the arts that where you you know things don't go the way you wanted them to. Mm-hmm. They they you know you. You but have you a trust. Vi- you, you have a vision that you're attached to, but you know you trust. You have faith. You have yeah. faith in the fact that you know this is the path that I'm on. This is you know I- I'm going to follow this through, and you know I'm I'm really one of the things that I do in 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 the art that I do right now is I do a lot of uh, um, silk screening mm-hmm. uh, on top of uh, oil and uh, resin layers on top of tile. It's all these multi mixed medias, mm-hmm. and it's a lot of experimentation. And uh, I I did this one thing where I uh, just to give you an example I, I I used this paint that I found because I liked the color mm-hmm. you know and I liked the you know viscosity of it you know and I was like I, this is so cool I'm gonna use this stuff and first I, time the word viscosity has been used on the podcast <laughs> of course <laughs> visual artists would bring that on um, <clears throat> you know uh, I, I I actually um, just didn't even think like I, you know i have all this training and all this i you know i know what goes with what you know what you can put on top of what like you can't put oils on top of i mean you know on top of uh, yeah, acrylics on top of oils and yeah. blah 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 and all those things but you know but i didn't really think i just did it you know because i thought it would look cool and um so it was by accident i wouldn't say it was by accident i just didn't think right i just wanted to use it yeah. You know, and I let the inspiration or the artistic uh, vision move me towards it. You know, and I I, I did it, and it uh, the two <laughs> the two uh, mediums didn't like each other very well, uh-huh. and uh, it, it cracked, and you know, completely did not jive with one another the way that I wanted it to. Yeah, but it made the coolest effect. Ever something I probably couldn't even recreate if I wanted to, um, but that's kind of part of your uh, signature. Text. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like kind of cracked, kind of. It's yeah. I mean, there's definitely. A, well, that's something I'm, I'm so psyched you said that because there's there's something I really strive for. I have such a controlled element to what I want to do. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, if you were to ask me, I have everything mapped out. You know, I mean, there are literally computer drawings for every single painting that are broken down into layers of what they're supposed to look like and everything like that so that I can wrap my head around of what it's going to look like because I kind of have to build the paintings 
from back to front. Right. Cause you're putting layer, cause upon layer, layer upon layer upon layer. So I have yeah. to go backwards. Um, <clears throat> especially when you're working with colors and what they're going to look like underneath other ones you, you want to know. Do you know how each layer is going to affect the layer beneath it? Well, you'd like to think so. <laughs> yeah, there's still surprises. Yeah, there's always surprises. But if, then you compensate by the next layer. Yeah. If, if you're pushing the envelope, if mm. you're taking chances, then there's always surprises. Always. Sometimes it doesn't work out the way that you want it to. And that's a bummer. I mean, there's been times where I have gotten a painting so close to the end and mm -hmm. I've done the final thing and I've just had this idea that's going to be so great and it's going to work so well. And I, I did it and it just... Your first instinct is I ruined this painting. I've put six months into this painting and I've just ruined it. I completely but, ruined but it. But isn't it hazardous if you have too much of a fixed vision of the outcome yeah that's well, what i was kind of getting at where it's that looseness mm -hmm. that freedom that i had when i was a child you know right is something i just really try to tap into so hard um <clears throat> i had this professor in college this one time that um I really respected him. You know, I was really into him. And he, uh, you know, um, came to my final critique. And I had a bunch of work that I was so proud of. Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, pretty egoic about it, actually. You know? Pretty what? Egoic about it. I just thought uh -huh. I was, you know, just... I thought I was the shit. Yeah. And because um, people were like, this is amazing. It's unbelievable. And he came in and he just iced me. You know, he just was like, yeah, I guess it, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of cool, but you know, I really don't see a lot of freedom in this stuff and I don't see a lot of you in this. Like and too I, calculated. Very, yeah, very calculated. Yeah. And my first instinct was like, you're just jealous. <laughs> you know, like, right, right, right. The defenses go <laughs> up. Yeah, yeah. You're just, you, you wish you could paint like this, you know, like, but yeah. then it, it just stuck with me. It was like one of those things that somebody says to you that you don't want to hear and just will not leave you alone. Right. So I just ripped everything down, you know? You started from zero? I ripped yeah. everything down and covered my studio in, you know, raw canvas and mm -hmm. just completely did all new work with no no vision right. no outcome at all no and expectation no expectation and it was amazing see that's some of the greatest work i did yeah, yeah i relate to that because i can i can compare visual art to music all day yeah yeah absolutely and it's like the best uh the best music happens like let's use the beatles for example paul oh, mccartney you? You? <laughs> <laughs> come on paul mccartney yeah, might come in with a song right and this is this is a good example of why he's never topped the beatles work with his solo stuff because he might come in with a song and he might have it. He knew that he was working with great people. So he comes in with a song and then John takes it a certain way. Ringo ends, adds a beat that takes it another way. George, George adds a guitar line that twists it another way. Then it becomes something that he could have never expected. Right. And the sum is greater than yeah, then the it's, parts. Then it's parts. Yeah. And that is something, um, again, you really have to have... Uh, faith again it's, mm -hmm. a, it's another faith-based concept in creation where right. not only is it faith in the artist that you're working with but it's faith in yourself that you can work with what is given to you one of the things i like to really do in creation whether it's music or art it doesn't really matter or visual art um 
is I like to do collaborations with people mm -hmm. and I like to do collaborations with people that aren't even really artists, you know, it just, well, I kind of see your, your method of visual art as a collaboration with yourself because you're working with all these different mediums. Right. So once you're working with one medium, you're kind of one person. You're you're you with that medium, and yep. then when you put another medium, one's very technical, right? Uh, one's very um, you know fluid. The other one is visionary. One is it's like you're putting on different hats. It's and absolutely you're like changing clothes or you know whatever you know yeah. putting on different personas when you when you paint. Yeah, it's like and a solo musician that can also get very messy like that you can overwork something or you can get too many people singing at one time, you know, type right. of thing, you know, and everyone's out of key. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but I think that there's that idea, you know, uh, one of the things I used to do and I don't do that now because I don't really have anybody to do it with. But um I used to take a painting and when I was frustrated with it mm -hmm. or bored with it or I didn't I was at a, a block or whatever right. I would just give it to somebody and say do whatever you want with this you know do, even if, if they do had whatever, no visual yeah do whatever you want with it you uh -huh. know I don't care what you do you cover it in black I don't care you know I just don't want to know wow you know and that is it is it, really tough especially if it's kind of a, a painting that's far along the way you yeah. know and and, and it, it it's nice because you you let it go you just say okay you know i, I i'm gonna let this go and that's it, such a good exercise for life it's uh -huh. just letting yeah. go of control and having go faith control and having faith and saying like whatever comes back to me i will work with it and i know it won't be something that i did i will work with whatever is given to me and it is a good uh, metaphor for life you know like you don't know what life's going to throw you you don't yeah. know any of that stuff so to think that you can control that stuff i yeah. mean in art music or life is ridiculous well i know you don't own the tattoo shop anymore but how did how did your visual art and your life lead to you being a <laughs> tattoo shop owner in the right. center of breckenridge and a beautiful tattoo shop, actually. Thank you. Yeah, Thank amazing. You. Real yeah. work of art. Just the shop itself is a work Very of art. Very proud of that place. You know, mm -hmm. I, um, well, uh, I, I, I always wanted to move to, to Breckenridge. Mm -hmm. Always. You know, uh, well, ever since I found it, uh, I was on. You uh, discovered it? I discovered <laughs> it. You know, I was, they, they, they didn't even know it existed. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because that's the way I felt. You know, I felt like nobody in, you know, outside of this place knows about it. I think that that's how everybody feels about that place is that it's their little secret. It's, yeah. That's what the charm of that place is. When I was there, it felt like I was inside one of those snow, snow globes. Glo <laughs> it's a snow globe with a pulse. It, it really is. is. And that's a lot of the branding and a lot of how they pitch it and everything like that. And that's, you know, again, that's, you know, the, um, you know, the, the wizard behind the curtain you get a little bit upset after a while where you're like oh we just got pitched and spun you know like no i don't know but, if it, it didn't feel like that to me it, it felt because you know you're well, up on a mountain you can't you don't see live there but yeah <laughs> well you know that's the thing like traveling around when you're visiting somewhere it's Everywhere. always better it's always better you know you yeah. get a little taste of it and you, you idealize it and you you know you know romanticize it you've got this magic pixie dust that's yeah, i'm just, just traveling it's raining <laughs> pixie dust on me oh my god but when i did you know travel through there and i i found it and i was like you know one of these days I'm going to, I'm going to move there and I'm going to open my own business there and I'm going to snowboard. So you were just traveling through. Yeah, I was just traveling through mm -hmm. and it was amazing. You know, I actually, 
Well, the first first time I ever went there, I was uh, traveling with um, my friends that play were playing in this band, the Two Skinny Jays, mm -hmm. and uh, they were on tour with Fishbone. Mm -hmm. And um, Fishbone, the one band everyone has smoked a joint with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's so funny. And, you know, they took me up snowboarding for my first time. And Norwood and Angelo took me up and, you know, dumped me on the top of the mountain. And were like, all right, peace out. We'll see you later. And that's how I learned how to snowboard, <laughs> uh -huh. um, which was great. And I've returned the favor to many, many a friend. Um, but after that, I just always had this idea of that's where I wanted to live. That's what I wanted to do, you know. So I kind of worked my way across the country and, you know, did San Francisco, as you know, um, and then came back to New York again. And then finally was like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to move to, to Colorado and do it. Yeah. Cause it's a big move. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, uh, when I got there, um, when, when you moved there, you hadn't planned on buying or on opening absolutely not. No, no, I didn't know what I was going to do. I just right. knew I wanted to be there. Just wanted to change from just New York. wanted to be out of New York. Wanted yeah. to be out of the cities. Wanted to learn how to survive the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> um, but uh, I really, really, really wanted to do something there that wasn't work at the mountain on lift or something like that. You know, I wanted to do something cool. Right, because I imagine there's not that much industry there. I mean, there is now, there's more industry now, and there's definitely some opportunity. And now, especially with the new um, marijuana laws, it's now, forget about it. You know, everybody right. wants to be there. So there's plenty to do now, but back then, not much. Mm -hmm. And um, I had a friend who was a, uh, you know, a tattoo shop owner. And he, uh, he just, you know, didn't know how to run business. You know, uh -huh. and, you know, we agreed to, you know, partner up and I was like, I can do business. You can do tattoos. This is a, you know, a great thing. You Good know, partnership there. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah. It was amazing. And, uh, I had that New York vision and hunger, you right. know, and really wanted to like, I was like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do like the nicest tattoo shop that you know, has ever existed up here. And, you know, and... Was it in the space that he already owned? Nope. Okay. I, I sought out the space. Actually, my mom mm -hmm. came out and found the space for us, which was awesome. How'd she find the space? She has a nose for that. Uh-huh. She's just really good at that. She yeah. can she can find things like that. She She's good like that. And uh, it was perfect. And I didn't want to leave one corner untouched i was like every single i remember i remember i handmade the door to my office yeah because i wanted that door to be made by me mm -hmm. so that when i slam it it's gonna make the sound i want really yeah. you, you tuned it so it was like the pitch yeah pretty much <laughs> i was like i want a solid oak wood door that's got 20 layers of it must slam in c sharp <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's the one that irritates people the most but no when i was there it is like it was kind of overwhelming because even the floor they have a mosaic or yeah, something yeah, it's like yeah. everything is just really beautiful every done. detail yes. every detail i yeah. mean i i had every station dialed out to the point where you know you could play your own music at your own station and you know i just wanted to create the best experience possible mm -hmm. you know and it was 
looking back, it was an artistic expression in and of itself. And that yeah. is what sold the shop and made it become so successful. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I mean, I can't tell you how many people walked into that place and were like, this is one of the most beautiful tattoo shops I've yeah. ever been in. And yeah. that made people feel comfortable mm -hmm. right off the bat. Yeah. And, and the tattoo shop, you know, is one of those places you want to feel comfortable, even though so many people, you know, don't feel comfortable because there's that thing about like, you know, oh, wow, you know, you're, you know, not a tattooed person to get ready for pain, you know, and you're not cool enough to be in here or whatever. And I didn't want any of that. Right. Yeah. That wasn't allowed, <laughs> even though it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Here and there. But, um, so you, you, know, you, you sold it because you just were, you, you did that, been there, done that kind of thing. Um, well, that it, it, it actually, without went, getting into all the details. Yeah. 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 No, no, no. You know, it went to, yeah, because they are I'm, long. And I'm I know sure there's a lot of details. Yeah, I know you've heard plenty of them. Um, <laughs> the, no, the, uh, I, I just was, I don't want to say I was over it. You know, mm -hmm. my, 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 my son was taking a lot of my energy. I wanted to be with him more. Right. Um, I wanted to spend more time with my family. I wanted to, I, I think looking back, I didn't realize it at the time, but I wanted to be more into my art. I wanted to get back into my visual art. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it had reached its apex uh, of where it could go. Um, and uh, we tried to open a second shop and that didn't go very well. Great idea, but the timing was off and, and other things, you know, didn't really pan out. And where were you going to open it? It was on Main Street. We did open it. You did? Oh, right. You opened yeah. a... Um, was it a tattoo shop? It, Godspeed Tattoo. Uh -huh. <laughs> but wouldn't you just be a competitor with yourself? You, uh, no, because we did mostly retail. Okay. It was actually a really great idea. It was all local based. Only local companies would sell their stuff through, uh, you know, our, our store. And it was right. all about subculture and local stuff. And yeah. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. And that didn't, you know, it was a great idea. And I just don't think that I had the energy. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, um, you know, for whatever reasons that businesses don't make it, you know, there's a, you, the stars have to be aligned to have a successful business make it, mm -hmm. especially up there. Um, I think anywhere, but definitely up there too, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I just, you know, I, I closed that business real quick. It was open about six months. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> I closed that business real quick. And then after I closed that business, it felt so good to close it liberating oh, less on your shoulders unbelievable that i was like wow that felt really good i don't want to do that again yeah and i you know sold the other one mm -hmm. yep. and yeah it's cool that you're here now because i feel like you're kind of like at the crux of a crossroads oh yeah it's the yeah i would like to think that i'm you know right at the beginning part of the next phase of my life mm -hmm. yeah. and isn't it interesting that's how life is just a series of chapters oh yeah i mean hopefully i'm not on the final chapter uh -huh, you're far from it. But I think if you would have come maybe a year ago, you would have been in this chapter of the tattoo shop. Definitely. Yeah. Well, maybe a little bit longer than a year ago. Mm -hmm. If I came a year ago, I'd be in this chapter of, you know, total mayhem. Yeah, that's why it's cool. Because like guests can come back and we'll catch up with them where they are now. Right, yeah. Because life is just a constant change. And yeah, you're constantly, like, adapting and changing. I mean, you, you, I know you commented on that, like, uh, I think, I don't know if it was, I think it was the last episode. Probably every episode. episode. 
<laughs> no, but you said something about people allowing you to oh friends friends uh, and 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 people in general allowing you to change, right. allowing you to grow. You yeah. know, and I think that that is what um, identifies and defines. Um, I don't want to say good friends, but uh, long friendships. Right. You know, the ones that can you know withstand the test of time. Yeah. And growth. You so know. what's next? What do you know? What this next chapter is looking like? Oh God! I mean, beyond being a father, because um, that's my main job right now. Yeah. Uh, no, you know, I actually—it's—I know you're doing some great visual artwork. Yeah, I mean, right now I'm a full-time artist, and it's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's amazing. It's the first time in my life since I was probably in college mm-hmm. that I was full-time art, like doing art during the day and the night. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, this trip to New York has just been so unbelievably uh, inspiring and has opened up so much vision for the possibilities of where to take my art and what to do. And I, now I don't even really know, you know, what to do because there's so many options, you know, and, yeah. and it's really, really, really great. And I just, uh, I think I have to, you know, sit back and marinate for a minute Mm -hmm. you know on on what i'm gonna on what i'm gonna do as far as which road to take you know but it's definitely going to be art for sure visual art yeah i'm definitely gonna uh hopefully send listeners to your work i actually have one of your pieces hanging you do not i do it's on the other side of this wall i'll show you when we're done yeah i mean i didn't know that that's great yeah that's amazing i mean you know i know my my work's floating around a lot out there too you know i've you know, it's, I've always felt it better to give it away or sell it, you know, especially sell it. But um, mm-hmm. I hate keeping work at my house because it's just kind of sitting there and doing its, you know, you know, selfish thing. Yeah. Do you find having it around and looking at it is a weight, like it weighs you down? Yeah. Not just that, but it's not doing its job. You know, it, oh, you right. know its job is to be up on the wall. Like Woody Allen, did you see that? Woody Allen's never, he's never watched Annie Hall. He doesn't watch his movies once they're done. They're done. He's never rewatched any of his movies. He just goes on to the next one. Come on, I don't believe that. That's I know. No, but like <laughs> I, I guess because he says if he watched thing. it, he'd get neurotic and right. it would hold him back from just. Wor- He's like, I don't want to know. I just work on the next one. You know, there was that thing too with uh, Neil Young mm-hmm. says that he doesn't listen to anything that you know is in the mainstream. Doesn't listen to the radio or nothing like that. But I mean, it's pretty impossible you know I'm yeah sure, i'm sure woody, woody allen's caught a clip of his movies here and there right, um, right but no the idea of it definitely is i personally like to look at my work mm-hmm. but i only like to look at it in the place it belongs you know my work from college belongs at my parents house uh-huh. you know the work that is sold belongs to the buyer you know if i go to their house and see it hanging up that's one of the greatest moments for me as an artist you know i think more of your work belongs here in my apartment yeah <laughs> all of it belongs here yeah all of it belongs here walls. yeah that's, i got four walls i've got four walls <laughs> and i can you know stack them next to each other i mean i i just i love doing you know um i love doing art for people too you know custom work that's probably my favorite Mm -hmm. it takes all the pressure off you yeah i could see that so awesome you know someone's like i want to picture my dog you know right okay great because you have an outcome but you also have the freedom to get there yeah it's like one of the best things too so you know doing things for people is Mm -hmm. amazing and then you don't really hang on to it at all 
it's like gone the minute it's done right you, know, you don't even get to show it yeah i mean when i heard woody allen say that i was a little suspect at first but then i thought about it and i was like that kind of makes sense because he seems so liberated to create a movie every year write and direct and film a movie every year it's like yeah as opposed to like uh um you know uh what's who's the guy who does his movies like every like 10 years uh not gus vincent the uh, 2001 and uh, Barry Kubrick. Kubrick, yeah. yeah. It doesn't like every like 10 years or something like right. that. Right. When, yeah. you, when you think about something too much. Yeah. Yeah, you get in your head about it. Yeah, you can overwork things for sure. Exactly. You know, but he's he's pretty badass. Well, where to get him? Yeah. He's dead now. Yeah, it's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Martin, thanks for coming and awesome, doing man. this. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, really fun, man. Really fun. Yeah, thank All you. All right. Yeah. <laughs>